Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. This week on the program, we look at the anti-war movement in Japan. Since the election of Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, there's been a marked increase in military spending by the Japanese government. This has led to an upsurge in anti-war actions in the last few years, and in recent months, some massive demonstrations across Japan. On the 24th of May this year, 15,000 protesters surrounded the Japanese parliament to protest against the construction of a new USA military base in Japan. In mid-June, over 100,000 people converged outside the Japanese parliament calling for nuclear disarmament and the respecting of Japan's pacifist constitution. Again, in June, a further 30,000 people surrounded the Japanese parliament to protest against the new security bill that would increase Japan's military capabilities. And again, on the 15th of July, another anti-war protest of 50,000 people. As the world prepares for increased military operations in the Middle East, Japan is eagerly running into these conflicts despite the massive opposition from the people. To help us understand the situation in Japan, trade union activist, anti-nukes campaigner and journalist by trade, Chia Matsumoto joins me on Accent of Women. I started off by asking Chia if it is in fact the case that there has been an increase in anti-war sentiment in Japan, given the strength of the anti-war movement following the Second World War. I think uh, this is not just me talking, but I've seen a lot of experts uh, of sociology and social sciences uh, have actually noticed that people have, you know, an increasing number of people and also a wide range of people have decided to stand up because it, they are not they they are not happy with how the government is deciding on these issues. They're very very important issues. So meaning that this process is very undemocratic and that's why people have stood up and that's what a lot of people say. Is it just the lack of democracy in the decision making or are people also opposed to war? I think, I mean, obviously there are two reasons, yes. Um, A lot of the uh, wartime generations, people who were in their 70s, 80s and above and uh, and people in their 60s maybe, they are against the war and they see from the secrecy law and force, it starts before that, but the secrecy law and then this war legislation, the security uh, bills, they, they they fear that this is, they say that this is exactly what was happening before the war. And so Japan, they fear that Japan is getting ready to join the war, international war. And uh, people who are in the middle aged or 60s on, uh, younger generation, they there are a lot of leftovers from the student movement when in the 60s and 70s there was a huge protest in Tokyo and across Japan, of course, um, against J- U- the US-Japan security treaty. 
And so they still remember that, and they were there those days, well, 50 some years ago or 50 years ago. And so they see the same, they see the similarities and they see similarities in, and that's also when people were upset about the undemocratic way this important issue was being passed in the diet. And so they're there to also stand up this time after so many years. And then there was a young university students and mothers, for instance, who who just fear that they might be the ones who have to go to war or they might hear that they might feel that they're they need to stand up and speak against the war because they've heard uh, from their grandparents or the, from their their parents about the war and the war uh, experiences. And so, and of course, the younger generations, along with the, 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 the voting age in Japan that's been actually raised to 18, now the university students and also even the high school students, they might be eligible for deciding, making the political decisions. And so they think they feel very much involved in what's going on now. And they, they feel that they should be involved in it. And they should uh, they feel that they should convey their voices. How is it that um, Shinzo Abe has managed to command this much control and operate so undemocratically? That's actually, it's very much a question to most of us too, I think, at this point. But um, what it is that Abe, when Abe became a prime minister, uh, this is the second time, but uh, he, his grandfather, uh, Nobusuke Kishi, he was a prime minister when I, as I mentioned, during the uh, U.S.-Japan US security treaty uh, in the 60s. And he was also, he was also trying to push this U.S.-Japan security treaty. And Abe, his grandson, is also taking on the same issue. And he feels this is he's destined to uh, to make Japan an independent nation again uh, and you know to to be a equal to be an equal partner with the United States. Well, let's look at what is happening in relation to the military relationship with the u s. so um Technically, what I understand is happening is that an already existing military base is merely shifting location, but in building the new military base, there will be far more advanced technology. What, what is the situation with the new proposed military base in Japan? It's a relocation of, uh, of another base. So it, it is a new base, yes, but it's a relocation. So there... There is an air base in Futema in Okinawa. It is a an air base in Futema in Okinawa, and this is considered the world's most dangerous base. Uh, and a lot of the people who live around that neighborhood in the in the um, in the communities in Okinawa, they've 
put up with this for so many years and they've always demanded that this be relocated or this be shut down. Of course, this is not the only U.S. base that everyone, uh, especially a lot of Okinawans, demand a shutdown. But because this was considered one of the most dangerous base, uh, they they demanded a relocation. And the relocation site is a place called Henoko, and it's got a beautiful ocean, and there's supposed to be a... Uh, a lot of marine creatures there, and it should be preserved. But the uh, U.S. and Japan, the central government, Japanese central government, are trying to relocate it to this new place. And there are actually a lot of uh, protests every day, day in and day out. People are sitting in there trying to stop the uh, construction trucks from coming in. And recently... The, gov- the government is trying to restart the construction, but for a, for a whole month, this previous month, there was an agreement to stop, suspend the construction and between Okinawan governor and central Japanese government were supposed to ne- negotiate, supposed to talk about this relocation, and they fell apart. Do you think that does does the relocation, but also the what's going into building this new U.S. military base? Do do you think that has anything to do with the U.S.'s orientation towards China? Do you think this is setting the tone for potentially a war with China? Um, I I don't. I personally, I don't think that it is, but Japan is preparing for it, is for sure. Uh, a, f- uh, a few months ago, I interviewed someone in Hiroshima who is a Hibakusha, a, a radiation atomic bomb victim. And he actually told me that he, I was naive, and he said that he feels a war is Im- imminent um, because there are so many things that could that Japan and Japan, China and the US coming so close and he said it's it could be any day that maybe for instance Japanese war plane or a patrol plane and the Chinese patrol plan would cross path and then that could just trigger a war and so from his point of view um, or what I heard from him I, I kind of agree and that of course there is always a danger and uh, Japanese Prime Minister and also uh, there are other experts historians and uh, some experts who who would caution that China is militarily capable. And um, the fact that the United States is keeping all the bases in Japan, people say that that's, of course, to prepare for a potential war. I guess the question is, if not with China, 
who with it's clear that Japan is preparing for war. It's clear that the world is preparing for war. We are the Australian government anyway has started bombing um, Syria. We know that wars continue to rage in the Middle East. Is is Japan involved in Middle Eastern wars? Um, no, but after this, if the security bills pass, which would be, people say that it it would be, it would pass uh, this Friday, possibly, very very likely that the bills are going to be passed. But uh, if the security bills pass, then Japan would have to join the the allied forces in an international dispute. And so Japan would very much uh, have to be prepared to go to, uh, to the Middle East. So is that when people say Japan is preparing for war, is that in fact what people are referring to rather than yes. China? Okay. Yes, um, I think that's what, that's what a lot of people who, the protesters especially, are talking about. And they, what they, that's what they mean. But um, I think I have to say, sorry, I have to say that um, now Japan, the, the central, what central government is saying is that they're not preparing for war. They say that to have the security bills installed, uh, established, uh, it's, the, it's, to, it's to prevent a war from happening, or it's to prevent Japan from being dragged into a war. And so they think that this is a prevention, preventative measure, whereas Japanese citizens feel that by installing the security bill, security law, uh, it will dr- it will be, we will be dragged into a war. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Chia Matsumoto about the anti-war movement in Japan in light of the Abe government security bill that will allow Japan to enter the war in Syria with the United States. I want to I want to talk about um, the Middle East in that case because certainly in Australia, in the UK, right across Europe, in the United States, whenever the Middle East is talked about, it is spoken about in in the context in the spirit of Islamophobia and the marginalisation and the demonisation of the Muslim. Does is that the case in Japan? Well, interestingly enough, I think because we haven't been really involved in this, the disputes in the Middle East, meaning militarily, um, not too many people have talked about it or, or felt that way. Um, only when the Japanese journalist was 
kidnapped and and murdered. Of course, during that time, there were people who basically who who um, who discriminated against or who there was a Islamophobia in in Japan. But at this time, I don't think people are talking about it. But there is actually a fear among certain the the protesters anti-security bills uh, communities or population there was a voice that people are talking about how uh, by passing the security bills it'll obviously the law will enable Japan to join the international forces abroad uh, to in the international disputes and that will actually uh, Drag Japan into the disputes, of course, and so Japan will be a target of terrorism. That's what in inside and in and outside of Japan, and that's why that's this is one of the fears that the protest have and are feeling now. And looking at um, the looking from an activist point of view, of course, we protest all the time. And I think mm. at, at one level or another, as activists, I think sometimes it's hard to believe that what we're doing is actually going to alter policy. Um, and, you know, it's almost like a, an ethical call on our behalf to oppose things. But, you know, to some extent, I actually do think we can turn things around. And it sounds like the Japanese people have had some wins in terms of slowing down some discussions on um, the security bill and, and so on. What is the feeling on the ground? Do do you think it is actually possible to win this fight against against the um, Abe government? Uh, the election, the um, upper house election is going to be next um, next year, so it's not going to be you know it's not it's not happening so soon. Well, I guess for a lot of people, it's for a lot of politicians, it's it's soon enough. But um, he's still going to be a prime minister. Unfortunately, you know, we've been seeing this past month, I think, and especially this week, every day this week, up until the day that uh, the bills are going to be voted in the upper house, uh, there is going to be a lot of a lot of number, a lot of people protesting around the diet building, around the parliament, and this is we're probably seeing one of the most one of the biggest protests ever in Japan um, in the post-war history. And, but even then, I know that a lot, of, a lot of us do know that we're not going to stop this bill from being passed. And it is very unfortunate. And, and that's, what, that's why this is one of the reasons why I'm saying that it's not democratic. Because majority has spoken, but it's it's not considered the majority, and and the um, and LDP and uh, New Komeito Party, the two the two parties in the government, they're passing the law, and but then again, this is not the end of it. A lot of people are, a lot of people know and are prepared uh, to see this happen, this bill passed, but there is. A struggle beyond that and for instance the constitution experts and scholars and lawyers they're preparing to file a lawsuit against the government because 
a lot of the experts say that the security bill is not constitutional. And so on that ground, there is a lawsuit being prepared. And I think um, we will see what will happen then. But so a lot of people, so we know that we will eventually, not in the short term, maybe we, we won't win in the short term, but in a longer term, we will have a chance and we will have to win. Is um, I know that Japan has a very small organised labour movement that is not particularly um, militant, but are these um, increased mobilisations, is that partly radicalising the labour movement and has there been a clear position from organised labour on um, the militarisation, the increased militarisation of Japan? Well, what's interesting is that I don't think that non-unions have actually, you know, all of a sudden gained this consciousness of about how being a uh, how being workers, how being labor will affect will be affected kind of thing. But there's there's definitely among the among already among the the organized among the trade unions um, who are already organized, they have been very, very conscious about the security bills. And so they have, the unions are voting on strike, the right to strike. And of course they do this every every year, but um, they have included the, one of the reasons for, one of the grounds for them to go on strike is for instance, the security bill, or to to prevent the security bills from being passed, or or um, the ground would be that if Japan were to go into war or to wage a war, they would go on strike. And so they're using this right to strike, the collective action, to protest against the government uh, that might drag us into war. Is that a, a new development, that level of, you know, what I would call good left-wing politics for mm. Japanese labor unions? Is that something new? No, actually, as I said, there was a huge movement in the 60s and 70s uh, around the time that there was a U.S.-Japan security treaty being being deliberated in the, in the Diet. And this is also when... Um, a lot of unions have mobilized themselves and uh, they went on strike. They launched a strike to protest against the war. And for instance, there's a very good example of a railroad workers in, up in, in the north. Um, during the Korean War, uh, the U.S. militaries, U- the United States has asked Japan to... to uh, manufacture weaponry and this railroad needed to transport some of the weapons but the union there they launched a strike and they refused to transport the military equipment and military I think it was it also included food uh, for the soldiers but they launched a 48-hour strike and so it's not just 
now, but it's it's happened before in, in the past. And it was a great struggle. It does sound like an extraordinary struggle and it definitely sounds like the Japanese people are continuing in the spirit of comrades before them to continue to fight against um, the moves now um, by the government literally to go to war. And that was Chia Monsumodu, Japanese trade union activist, anti-nukes campaigner and journalist by trade, discussing the anti-war movement in Japan. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and that's the digit three not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.